Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Today's guest has an unbelievable story to share with us. Pastor Lee McClellan was fighting for his life in a Northern Ireland hospital after contracting COVID-19. That's when a cleaner in the hospital stopped in his room and prayed for him and everything began to change. How did it change and what happened from there? We're going to hear that story and so much more today on Connections. Pastor Lee McClellan has a miraculous story of healing that he's going to share with us today. He was diagnosed with COVID-19 late last year. He is the pastor of a church in Northern Ireland called Ark Church. Yeah, people might be able to tell quickly that you are not from Canada <laughs> just by hearing your voice. How are our accents? Can you understand us all right? No, no problem. No <laughs> Good. Problem. Um, maybe let's start with your church in Belfast, Pastor Lee. Tell us about it, when you founded it and the congregation. Yeah, so when we founded the, uh, the church, it was in uh, January of 2017, Mike. And uh, me and my wife actually were part of a large church in Belfast, had been for 20 years or, or more in my wife's case. And so when we decided or felt God call us out to uh, start a church, we were leaving a congregation of around 2,000 people. So to leave a, a congregation and go out by yourself uh, with, with no other congregation, uh, we, we had no support at the time. We just believed God was calling us into something. We never fully understood it, but we wanted to walk in that uh, obedience. So when we started our church, we started with uh, eight people. Uh, and, and we just launched out and that, that was the plan. And it was really, when I say about a plan, Mike, there was no plan other than we trusted God, that his voice uh, had spoken to us. We were walking in it and whatever was coming next, uh, we, we just went with that. And that's how we started. So uh, that was what, nearly four years ago. And where what are was you that at like today? To oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Colleen, sorry. So you started off with eight people, and what is it like today? So, so it, it's. I suppose the best way to answer that, Colleen, is that over the the, the last three years, really up until coronavirus uh, and, and my story, etc., we 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 had begun to to build uh, a congregation that probably grew over the last three years, maybe about a core of about thirty people, uh, and 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 that was great. Listen, it it, it was fantastic something was beginning to happen and then coronavirus uh, struck the world as you know we've all experienced that but particularly particularly then the churches now now what was strange for me was at that time I ended up in hospital with the coronavirus before the the, the national lockdown so the lockdown came when I was actually in hospital I never realized the world was locked down until I came out of hospital uh, because I, I had been in. So when I came out of hospital, the world was very different than when I went in. Our churches were closed down, uh, you know, across the world, but particularly here, everything was closed down. And, and, and so that meant church for us as well. And so, so for, for me in the, at the start of, of that was, I didn't know what church was going to look like after this. We were already a small congregation. Uh, we didn't know what the lockdown was going to do. We didn't know the effect it was going to have on people, etc. And and so for us then, uh, uh, 
uh, me and my wife not understanding what might come, what might happen. Uh, as you probably are now aware, uh, the story of me went viral. Uh, you know, unintentional, never realized for one minute, believe for one minute, what would have came from the, the, the small video. I think, I think the last time I seen it, there was something like 45 million views on just one of them. Uh, so, so for me, I never thought for one minute, uh, my national newspaper here done articles, our media done articles nationally. It, it was phenomenal. So, so before we went into lockdown, very few people had ever heard of our church. Coming out of lockdown, uh, <laughs> the whole nation, if not the entire world, had heard of our church. And, and so it was quite phenomenal what, what I believe God had done. And so the first time we went back to church, we we hosted what, uh, and I'm assuming you call this in Canada also, we, we hosted a drive-in church, uh, which was essentially, you know, cars coming uh, to our car park. And, and on that first night, you know, there was hundreds of cars had turned up uh, in the car park and the streets. There was no parking left. There was no room in the streets left. People had lined the, uh, I'm going to guess you call them sidewalks. We call them pathways. Uh, it, it was quite incredible. And so our church dynamic, dynamically changed, folks. Uh, and so where we're at now, calling it, and I hope uh, I haven't took too long to answer that, but where we're at now, is our church is is inundated every week, and unfortunately we don't have the room to cope with the people, uh, and and unfortunately people are being turned away from our church every week, and that is where we're at at this minute in time as we speak. Now you mentioned that you had COVID nineteen last year. For the the few people left in Canada that haven't heard your story yet, it was pretty serious. Uh, at one point, you didn't honestly know what was next for you did you maybe explain to us that yeah. day and what happened that day at the doorway yeah well well in the context of a mic you're, you're right because this was now the start of the pandemic for certainly us here in northern ireland and, and what came out of that was when i ended up in hospital everywhere the media was was carrying the stories people were dying you heard the stories this thing was rampant i know it is again but back then it was rampant. I ended up in the hospital and, and it got to the point I knew things were very serious for me. Uh, it was coming to that point. I knew it was crunch time. I knew that there was people uh, in, the, in the beds beside me, although we were isolated, but the, the, the nurses, there was some nights the nurses couldn't get to you uh, on time with medication. Uh, with medical assistance because the hospital was overrun with patients. People were dying uh, beside us. And so there was nights, it, it was just horrendous, the, the pain you were in, the, the, you know. And, and so there was that, that, that point where you realize of, of war, your circumstances, what's happening around it. You, you had to come to the point in the place that you could be one of the ones that will also die. And, and, and that was the reality. That was something we had to process. I, saw that. I had to process. That was something that was, that was real. And as, as, as the nurses and the medical team and the staff, they were fantastic. But no matter what they were treating me with, no matter the medication they were given, I was always getting worse. And I knew and I could tell that I was moments away from a ventilator. And I knew that, that, that once you ended up on a ventilator, it was a 50-50 chance whether you were coming out. And so I was preparing myself for that. 
And, and as you know, listen, I, I, I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And, 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 and I believe that uh, although at times we go through hardships in this life and trials, that he, that he can still comfort us. And so that was my cry one night is, is I, I need that cry. I need that help. I needed a moment of encouragement uh, in, in the thought process. And that ended up, as, as, as you have said, Mike, you know, uh, in, in the cleaner standing at the door or coming into my room to clean my room. And he himself was a Christian and began to share with me a bit of his testimony and, and how he was used across the world at reaching people with the gospel. It's a pretty incredible story to read and how that cleaner showed up and prayed. If he turns out he was actually a missionary for years in Africa, then yeah. he later returns and he answers more prayers for you. He brought you what you call crisps and a can of Coke. <laughs> Now, yeah. you kept saying Teo. I thought maybe you were speaking in tongues in the video, but that's a, a <laughs> brand of potato chips, right? Yeah, yeah. And I suppose that was quite credible because what was what was amazing was when the cleaner had come, he, he for whatever reason, because uh, I, I haven't had a chance to speak to him ever after this, but for whatever reason, he stopped at the door as he was about to go out and he asked the question, can I pray for you? Now, if anybody knows, you, you, you at that point put yourself in the firing line because you're really not supposed to ask people in hospital, now this, are you allowed to pray for them, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so it was brave enough to do that. And, and when he asked that question, I listen, absolutely pray. And it was, it was, that, it was that night, and, and, and I've said this many times, it was that night was the first time in, in three weeks that I desired food, and, and, and for whatever reason, you know, why was it uh, not a big tasty burger that I desired? You know, uh, I, I desired a packet of crisps uh, and a tin of Coke. That was, you know, I, I understand what the ladies feel like when they're pregnant, when they get those cravings. <laughs> I had that craving, and, and I knew that no one could get to me. It wasn't as if I could phone somebody up and say, here, could you bring us up some crisps and Coke? Because no one was allowed in. And, uh, and uh, you know, people often ask me, did I, did I pray, Mike? The answer to that is there, there wasn't a specific prayer where I says, you know, Lord, get us a tin of Coke and a packet of crisps. It was more in that moment of time that there was an unbelievable desire. Oh, how incredible would it be to have, to have those crisps and Coke? And what was amazing was this. When the cleaner came to the room the next day, now he never came into the room. He, there was a, a, a window where the nurses would look after you or look through to make sure you're, you're okay. And, and in doing so, he held a bag up and, he, and he, he just pushed it through the door gently. And, and I sort of crawled over to get it when, when he closed the door again. Uh, and, and I crawled over to get it and, and, and I opened it up and I could not believe that in the bag was the crisps and coke that I was craving the night before. And that was, that was what was incredible. And, uh, you know, it, it was a miracle for me because, you know, when, I, when people say about a, a miracle, listen, for me, just in that moment, it was something incredible uh, and, 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 and a desire. And, and that day, it was that day then, something miraculous began to take place because the consult or the nurse noticed when she was coming to do my obs, uh, I'm a vital sign, she noticed that the oxygen machine 
was reading that my oxygen levels had increased dramatically. And so, so much had they increased that they actually thought the machine was broken. Wow. And so they went and got the consultant. The consultant came in. They, they wanted to do an arterial blood test to see if my oxygen really had, uh, uh, you know, came up in such a short space of time because they thought the machine had broke and I wasn't reading the correct oxygen level. And when they done the arterial blood test, uh, they realized that uh, my oxygen had come up and they were all amazed. And the consultant turned around and says, if this keeps going in this direction, you're going home very shortly. And that was the first time that ever a medic or a medical person had given me uh, a message of hope. Do you feel God cares about our cravings for potato chips? <laughs> that is, what did you that learn is, with that? Oh, listen, you know, sometimes, and I felt this, and I suppose I, I would answer it this way, because it almost seems foolish. It almost seems foolish. Does God care? And, and you're right. You know, does God care about what crisps we eat? I think it was more than that for me. Uh, it, it was just almost for me that, 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 that you know, often we preach, and particularly us pastors, we preach at times God is interested in every area of your life. And, 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 and usually sometimes what we really mean is the big things in life, you know, uh, finances, jobs, health, et cetera, et cetera. But, but after this experience, what I have learned is God is actually interested in every fiber of our life. And I think that's what sets God apart is he is unique. He transcends everything, and, and he is so personal. Now, now, I can go right now and pick any packet of crisps I want out of the cupboard. <laughs> I can pick any flavor. But in that moment, in that moment of time, Mike, I believe God was showing me as an individual that I am yeah. interested in every fiber of your life. And it done something to me as an individual. It it done something in my mind. It done something in my heart. It, it has made me look at things a lot differently. It has made me look at people differently. When people come to me and are looking at advice, I, I, I'm, I'm saying to them, listen, God isn't just interested in the big things of your He's interested in the small details. He's interested in the small areas. He's interested in the areas of life where you think there were no one cares. God cares. And so it has it has transformed me. So So I don't think God per se... Mike is interested in what flavor of crisps I have today. I don't think that was the heart of the message. And I think the heart of the message is God does care. And at certain points in our lives, he will do something miraculous to remind us that he is interested in your life. And, and, and as I say, that, that was what I had uh, encouraged and encountered. What's amazing yeah. about your story is, is you're a pastor. And your life has been transformed. When I hear this, it just, it adds that extra layer because you're someone who loves the Lord already. And yes. this experience has brought it to a whole nother level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I think you're, you're, you're right, Colleen, you know, cause some people had asked, you know, some people were actually discouraged when I had taken on well, some people, uh, you know, had says, but you're a pastor. How could this happen? You know, you're supposed to love the Lord and I do love the Lord. And, and, and they were saying, but if it could happen to you, it could happen to me. And, and I think it reminds us all, listen, none of us, no matter our position, 
or or, or what what office we hold even within church uh, we, we are we are we are all flesh we, we are all humans we all go through trial we all go through hardship my family as you know we're, we're at the other side of it they have four kids uh, they, they didn't know whether dad was coming home, particularly the older ones, uh, because they were hearing the news. They were hearing what was happening. You know, uh, my, my wife had them every night that I was in hospital praying in the living room that, that God would do a miracle. And, and, and so there was there was so much more, you know, than just me. It was what we went through even as a family. And, and listen, I think what I try and remind people is, listen, regardless, God God is 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 with us all. <laughs> you know, God sees the heart of His people, uh, regardless of our position. There's no favor. There's no favorites. And uh, I I just give God glory uh, that, that that He is glorified in lives have been encouraged and transformed even by this simple message. What Here in, have? oh sorry, go ahead, Colleen. You go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say here in Canada, we're still under pretty strict lockdowns, and that includes churches and worship gatherings. I just preached at a church on Sunday. Only five of us were allowed in the building. A lot of churches are really struggling with this. And uh, what do you say to pastors and leaders of congregations that are struggling knowing what to do with COVID-19 and lockdowns and not being allowed to gather for worship? I think... I think this is this is twofold for for pastors and leaders because we're in the same position. We are we're in a very strict lockdown. We're essentially in the same lockdown that we were in last March uh, or and April. And, and we we have had in Northern Ireland, I suppose, the, the the moment of grace where churches are not being told to close, and and we're we're uh, we're allowed to stay open, Mike. Uh, now there was periods there that the churches were told to close uh, and, and they were told to, uh, you know, go online, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we done that and, and, and you know, we, we, we took that uh, advice. We, we wanted to try and be a good citizen. We, we wanted to try and, you know, not say to the, those in our communities, we don't care about your health. But on the other side of that, we also have a congregation and our congregations are made up of people with, with different complexities, different problems, uh, you know, many, many needs and, 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 and the importance, I think, of church life. So, so what we have done in, in Northern Ireland, we, we have recognised the message of the health crisis because it is real. It is there. There, 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 there is people still that are struggling with coronavirus. There is people still dying with coronavirus or, or the, the effects of it. So we, we wanted to come to a, a balance. Now, what we have done in Northern Ireland or what I've done as a church, we, we still meet, but we do drive in church. I, I don't know if that's something you are allowed to do, but we, we had taken the decision that we still wanted to somehow meet together uh, and, and uh, we, we do that in our cars. So, so cars come, they park in the streets, they park in the, in the, in the car, church car park. And we have some form of meeting together. It's not ideal. It's not what we want. But at the same time, I, I don't want a massive outbreak within our church confines as, as well. We, we, we have a mixture of people. We have people that are that have health problems. We have people that are older. We have people that are coming, that are strong, that are fit, and they're healthy. And I, and I think there has to be a, a, a balance of, of both wisdom 
and of, of listen, we still have the church has to maintain something. Uh, you know, some people, uh, I think, feel that the government wants just to shut us all down for the sake of shutting down. See, listen, I always know that there can be an agenda in the background of something. But at this minute in time, I don't know what it's, I can't speak for Canada. But what I know here is, is that we, there is a genuine health crisis. There is people that uh, are, are, are sick and are ill. And we, we want to also say to the community that we're in, that, that we do also recognize and care about your health. And so we don't want to put people in absolute danger. So we have tried to have a balanced approach, uh, Mike, and I hope that, that uh, certainly for us. Now, our, that balanced approach for us at this minute is only over the next four weeks. Uh, and when we get to February, uh, we will reassess that. We will look at that again as a church and we will make a further decision in terms of what it looks like in our community, in terms of the virus, in terms of rates going up, and we will assess it and we will make a decision. Uh, because as I say, we are not told in this nation to close our churches. So, uh, so I think that might be the fundamental difference at the minute between our nations. Going back to your, your story and your COVID recovery, um, you've had a producer reach out to you, Devon Franklin, um, yes. to take your story and turn this into a, a film. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I'll, I'll tell you at the start, if you have any other questions, calling, jump in. Uh, when, when I first received the email, I actually thought it was a couple of friends of mine that were uh, <laughs> pranking me. Uh, I thought a, a few of them were having a, a laugh. I, I have some friends there that like to mess about and joke about. And so anyhow, that's what I thought at the start. And I said to my wife sitting at my kitchen table, I says, uh, I says, a couple of these friends of mine are messing. And and then, uh, then I began to think, well, here, maybe, maybe it's not a couple of friends messing. Maybe, maybe I'll go and check. And I actually went and tried to check out this guy. And I, and I learned that he was the producer of the film Breakthrough. Uh, and so I sort of thought, okay, maybe this is real. I'll reach out to him. And and in that reaching out to him, then he says, let's set up a Zoom call, have a conversation. And and I got at that point then when I spent some time with him on Zoom, uh, we we talked through some stuff. I had seen Breakthrough, the movie, and I felt they'd done a great job in its content and, and its in its message. And as we talked some more in depth, uh, myself and Devon, I began to sense, hold on, there's maybe something in this that is greater. There's something in this uh, that uh, can be a message of hope to the world. And that was my heart, is, is, you know, and we talked more about that. And so when we came to the place and me and my wife had talked much about it, over the next number of months, we, we were back and forth with Devon and, and, and some of the guys uh, on his team. And we just finally came to a place where we felt, listen, you know, our, our heart is let, let, let there be a, a, a story of hope in a world of chaos. And, and that's really where we then began to settle. So we're excited now uh, about this movie. We're excited about what it'll bring the hope of uh, the gospel to people in a broken world and a hurting world and in a world of coronavirus. And uh, we're excited about that calling. Tell us how we can uh, find out more about you, Pastor Lee, and maybe we want to watch your uh, sermons here in Canada. How can we do that? Well, all you need to do is go on to uh, Facebook, The Ark Church Belfast, or if you go on to the YouTube, 
uh, and again same thing the Ark Church Belfast and you'll you'll get some stuff some info you'll see some sermons and all that good stuff so praise the Lord thank you so much for making time for us this morning oh listen God bless you thank you don't forget check out the Connections podcast you can find it at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast be sure to subscribe for brand new episodes every single weekday. We'll talk to you again on Connections.